How is education evolving? My name is Luron, reporter at HD Connect, and you're listening to HD Live Podcasts. On this episode, I'm joined by Anthony Tattersall from Coursera. We'll be discussing the evolving higher educational system and how it's changing the job landscape. Welcome, Anthony. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So could you just start off by introducing yourself and what you do at Coursera? Sure. So I am Anthony Tattersall, and I'm a senior director at Coursera. I basically run the European, Middle East, and Africa operation of the business, and uh, very much focused on working with uh, large organizations, helping them uh, utilize the Coursera platform to help drive learning in their organizations and link to their business outcomes. Mm, great. Sounds very exciting. It's very exciting. Very <laughs> fast-paced um, growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also the uh, the world of learning is, is now so much more relevant um, for individuals, for universities, for organizations. Um, yeah, it's a really, really exciting time to be part of the industry. Mm. So how like specifically is this new um, educational system changing and training system in general? So I think we're seeing um, a shift in the dynamics of how people learn. Right? So if you think about... Uh, the sort of stereotypical uh, expectation of education. Um, you'd go to school, maybe you went on to A-levels or university, and then you go into the wonderful world of work, you do that for maybe 40 years, then you retire. And that model, I think, is disappearing very, very fast. And what we're seeing much more commonly now is people will have some form of education, take on some work, and then maybe 10 years down the line, the world around them has changed so much that they're having to develop new skills. And so they go back into a learning phase, um, hopefully generating new skill sets that are now relevant for the next phase of their working life. They do another period of work and then they change and then they learn again. And so it's more of a cycle now of, of sort of learn, work, change, learn, work, change, and then hopefully eventually retire. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's a much more sort of continual learning environment. Um, mm. And we're seeing, I think, universities adapting to that world as well. That sounds like quite dynamic and quite exciting atmosphere for like people in, in this generation to like move on to instead of just having a set job and career for life, I guess. It, it definitely does. And I think there's, there's, there's definitely more opportunity for people. But equally, I think there's more of a, a need for people to individually invest in their own constant education to stay relevant in the marketplace Mm. Um, what we are seeing is that and we talk about skills a lot um, and uh, the the expectation of how long your skill will stay relevant in a working world context is diminishing very very fast and if you're in the technical world um, anything around kind of programming skills or data um, these skills tend to have a half-life of about two years so it really means after four years or so, if you haven't kind of retrained at that point, you're going to find it very difficult to apply what you know to the current job requirements. Mm. And so if you are able to continue investing in yourself and develop, then you can keep yourself relevant. But if you don't, then you can very rapidly fall behind. Yeah, so. definitely. Why do you actually think that this uh, this new sort of way of working is actually changing? Why are people starting to realize that they don't want to be in the same career for life and they want to actually learn constantly and improve and develop themselves? I, I think it's two things. I mean, one is that it's the world is pushing us in that direction, and that's probably the primary driver. If you look at the speed of technological change, um, it is at such a fast rate that we're having to evolve with it. And in fact, I think technology is is at a bit of an inflection point in the sense that it's now going at such a rate of change that our ability as humans to keep up with it 
is is losing ground and so technology is outpacing our ability to adapt learning training investing in skills gives us a chance to kind of narrow that gap and keep up with it for a little bit longer before it really 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 takes off um and so i think there's a, a drive from just the world we're living in that is almost forcing us into that kind of constant cycle now the second thing i think from an individual perspective is there's so much more opportunity there's so much awareness of what's out there you have a lot more disruptive startups coming to the world everything that we engage with as a consumer is changing whether it's how you look at media how you take a taxi you know how you rent a, rent space when you're traveling um, all of these aspects are changing and it gives us a perspective as a human being that the world is very fast-paced very changeable very exciting and it makes it more likely you want to be a part of that and from your own perspective then the idea of doing the same job for 40 years i think for certainly for most of the younger generations that would just be a crazy thought right? mm -hmm. um, most people coming to work um, these days are looking for development for opportunity for the chance to do something new um, as they go through their career mm, it's actually quite a refreshing point to hear because uh, i think the generation that my uh, myself is from is uh, you you end up studying at the age of 14 you decide your gcse's you base your GCSEs on your A-levels, yep. you base your A-levels on your university degree. Then after that, it's like, no, you can't do any more because you've got all your qualifications and you have to stay in that career forever. Yes. And it's quite good to see that this new generation are actually moving on and being like, wait, I just, I, I can change my thoughts from when I was 14 years old. Yeah. Because if you, uh, if you have a set sort of determined um, outcome of where you want to be at 14, that's obviously going to change as time goes on. So it's quite yes. good to hear that this is a new sort of age of work. And I'd yeah. say well, I think, and I think also that the, the time span of change is so fast, it, it just doesn't work in that model now. Mm -hmm. There was a, a study I saw which said that um, uh, two out of three children in primary school uh, will be doing jobs which don't even exist today wow. by the time they come out of the education system. And so it's, it's kind of impossible for the educational system to give you the education you need that will last you for 40, 50 years because we can't even envisage what's going to be coming in terms of work opportunities or what skill sets might be required. Mm -hmm. But I think that's also a really big positive for education because it moves the education world from a place where it was a single point in time, your school years or your learning years before work, into a world where it has relevancy all through your working life and beyond for people who actually just want to learn and enjoy the aspects of learning. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a much more continuous and collaborative world where business and education are coming together to constantly uh, improve and re uh, reinvent ourselves as we go forward. Mm, two out of three, that's, that's a huge statistic. It's a big number, yeah. Do, do you have had any insight into what sort of jobs might be might be there when they're in when they're in like they're in their prime of their work in life you know we i mean it's it's hard to predict where mm. people will be in 20 years time but if you start just looking at some of the jobs that have come out uh, in recent times i mean there's lots of jobs now around data science and data engineers and obviously we have so much data available now there's a whole range of jobs that have come out in that space um but I was looking at um, some of the different jobs that have come out recently. You have things like people who are doing things around such as you know, camera design and smartphones. Mm -hmm. 
you know, that didn't exist five, ten years ago. Yeah. The idea of how you optimize imagery for this tiny little lens, um, that you have people now whose whole job, I think there was a job with something along the lines of kind of a, an occupational automotive ingress egress engineer. Wow. It was about what's your experience getting into a car and getting out of a car wow. <laughs> and, and how that comfort works and the different positioning um, of that and all part of making the idea of a car being part of your whole consumer engagement, the expectations people have of every aspect of their life mm. so I think there'll be um, an evolution in how humans interact with the world around them and take advantage of the technologies that are available to them I think that's going to be one of the big areas of focus for for roles of the future mm. um, but there'll be a lot of skills I think also around how do you collaborate how do you act in a world stage how do you innovate how do you work with very diverse teams and audiences um, and a lot still will be around um, whatever the new technologies are coming out and having the relevant skills in taking advantage of those technologies. Mm. And I guess on the flip side as well, there's loads of roles like uh, full-time YouTubers, full-time vloggers, which is quite a relevant sort of career to get into now. It is. One of my friends is yeah. actually working for a YouTube company that right. has like three or four different channels, which is which is weird to think like that's actually a role. If you compare the sort of job landscape from five years ago, yes. that businesses are literally based online and based on this consumerized platform where people just consume video yes. or like even content yeah. in general like Facebook as well yes. Twitter, Instagram followers like Instagram influencers it's a completely new um, atmosphere it's, just, it's a completely changing right? It is It's it's and it's, it's very interesting how the world of work is changing because you used to basically have a system where size was everything so the bigger the monopoly you could become then you could own obviously the elements of the supply chain and that would drive down cost but there are certain industries which you've just talked about where actually monopolies almost have no presence and you know anything such as YouTube or blogging or all the social media outlets your cost of entry is zero as a market as a new entry and as an individual um, you have the ability to rapidly then develop a following and create an expectation or an influence around that profile in a way that isn't replicated in the kind of commercial world of businesses and assets and so on mm -hmm. um, and so the way in which we now consume media is no longer from one or two primary sources. It's from thousands and thousands of sources. Yeah. And it's for you as an individual to choose the ones that resonate and reflect you. But you also have the opportunity to contribute as well. So in some aspects of the world, you have this huge fragmentation effect where there are now millions of contributors to an economic whole. And there are other parts of the industry where you have like the big platforms like the Googles and the Facebooks of the world where it's very much a platform network effect and as an individual you want to be part of the biggest platform available because it gives you the biggest reach and that is a monopolizing type mm. of scenario and so you have very different types of worlds all having to interact with each other. Mm. Yeah I guess so and, then, and I guess I'm um, just touching on actual learning and the individual looking to progress in their careers yeah. are there any like uh, trends that you can notice like are there any people that come from specific demographic backgrounds or other people that specifically um, want to change their career in a specific age or group or sort of um, um, industry or sector I would say it's actually pretty universal um, I mean if I look at um, our marketplace and so we 
uh, we provide access to university education on our platform. Um, and uh, certainly from an individual basis, you can access that um, without any charge. You can access the education. There's only really cost encoded if you want a formal certificate to recognize the work you've done. But you have access to lots and lots of education from um, world-class universities around the world. And so there's about 44 million people on this platform now. Oh. Um, and if I look at the UK alone, there's over a million people on that platform. And the average age in the UK is 34. Okay. Um, uh, which shows that obviously you've got a very broad range of people who are early in their careers to quite late in their careers who are focusing on re-education themselves, that kind of content. Um, it's about 55% of male, 45% of female, so we get, you know, sort of from a gender perspective, it's again very, very broad. And I would say there's really no stereotypical learner. I think it's it's more about, as an individual, do you feel a need to learn new information, um, either because you think it's important for your job or will help you in your world of work, or because you're actually just excited about learning new things. It may not be for a specific, you know, material work-related benefit. Um, so anybody, I think, who wants to access learning will fall into that category. I think clearly if you're at the very end of your career and you've got five years before retirement, you may personally feel, I don't need to do it now, I can survive the last few years. But if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, you've probably still got a couple of decades to multiple decades to go. It's almost a guarantee in today's world you're going to have to reinvent yourself at least a couple of times. And so training is becoming much more um, just a part of your normal life now. Mm. Yeah, 44 million is like a huge sort of number in that yes. people wanted to learn. Yes. And I guess, uh, do you feel like a challenge is for businesses to actually retain their workforce because people are wanting to constantly learn and adapt and change to certain careers? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. I mean, I think, I think businesses very broadly do recognize that uh, most individuals will want to have the opportunity to develop themselves in, in whatever company they join or environment they join. And if you look at the reasons why uh, individuals leave businesses, one of the primary reasons is lack of learning or development opportunity or lack of career opportunity, which is all really fundamentally tied down to how do I grow in that organization. Mm -hmm. So. Companies, um, many companies will look at learning and see it as something that it's kind of an employee benefit. You know, we should invest in some kind of learning capability because that's what our employees want. However, that in itself, I don't think is nearly enough uh, for organizations to really utilize that to engage people and retain people. I think where it becomes much more powerful is when individuals see a direct linkage between what they're learning or what the opportunities are given to learn and why it's important to the business and also why it's important for them. Hmm. And where in the individual perspective, where it becomes really valuable is where an employee see a direct link between their investment in learning and the amount of money they can make, their career opportunity in the future, whether it's in the company or later in life outside the company, um, the opportunity to work on projects they couldn't have done before or different departments or different divisions of the company or do new interesting things. From a business perspective, I think retention is definitely a key factor. Um, but we also see companies with uh, particularly hard to find roles, like, like a data scientist, for example. Lots and lots of companies look for this role. There are nowhere near enough people in the world who are trained in this discipline today. And so it's very hard to recruit for, particularly if you haven't got a, a major brand, a cool brand that everybody wants to go for. So it's 
actually a lot easier to develop those people in-house and then trying to acquire them on the open market where it's tough to find, can be very expensive. And even if you get them, they may leave six months later for a better offer. At least if you're working with people who are in the business, you know they're already culturally aligned. Um, you probably know a lot about them as an individual, so you've got a lot less risk in terms of the personnel fit. And it's a lot more cheaper to actually develop them and that employee is likely to stay longer because you've given them those opportunities. Mm-hmm. And then the third piece is around linking to business outcomes. Um, why I think learning is now so important and in many companies now is an executive board level focus is because it does directly um, change the outcomes of the business in a positive way. Most companies we talk to today will have a view that the skills that their employees have today are not going to be the same skills they'll need in just two or three years time. And so there's a requirement to invest in their employee population to help that company thrive in a global economy and defend itself against all these new companies that want to come in and take over their part of the world and be disruptive. Um, And so the outcomes for an organization investing and learning will be they'll improve their customer service, they'll improve their competitiveness, maybe they can launch products to market faster. Um, Maybe they will be more innovative in, in coming up with new ideas that they can take to marketplace. And that's a direct consequence of investing in learning and creating that learning culture. Mm. Yeah, two or, two or three years, it seems like such a short time, but it, has a, it actually can have such an impact on it does. the future world. And it changes so fast. And businesses have, like, a, yeah, as you said, such a tough challenge because in one in one instance, they might, may struggle to retain their workforce, but they also want to accommodate for the future as well. And um, yeah, it takes quite a lot of time and resources to dedicate to that as well. While once again, instilling a positive culture, while still like um, going with business outcomes as well, it's, it's quite a tough sort of um, war on talent, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then dare I say the words uh, Brexit as well, that might um, play a part into things as well, which um, may um, have an impact on them having global talent and communicating overseas quite difficultly as well. Do you yes. feel like... Um, what's the actual key solution is there do you feel like there's a winning formula or is it different for different sectors and different sizes of businesses yeah i mean i I, this is something which is uh, fundamentally almost reinventing yourself as an organization but it's a constant thing it's not a single like let's take two years sort all the skills problems out and then we're done it's uh it's a way of being as a company where it's a constant reinventing yourself to recognize the changes around you that are always evolving. Um, and so it's not a simple thing, but I think in, in a broad sense, there are common themes, which is you know, being very um, aware of what's coming, what are the skills requirements of the future, and how do we build towards that? What's the skill landscape we have today? And what, are the, and what level of skills do our people have? And, and what are the gaps that we see? And how quickly can we address them and in what manner? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the Brexit scenario obviously is very relevant to organizations, organizations in the UK, but really and from a global stage, it's just one item. Um, you know, everything from global politics to trade wars to governmental change to different um, legal expectations to local country cultures to economical and macro level factors to major new companies coming into the marketplace. There are thousands of factors you have to cater for and it's about having an organizational structure which is as best equipped to do that as possible. If you look at most companies companies today, I would say the two primary things that enable them to work in the market is technology and it's people. And a lot of the organizations that we talk to actually will describe themselves as a technology company powered by people. 
Mm. Even if you're a bank or a, a manufacturer or whatever else, you're utilizing technology to bring your services to the world. And it's your people that make it happen and drive the innovation and the interesting things that you do as a business. And so those two things are fundamentally core to success in the world is how do you leverage technology? How do you ensure your people are the best that they can be? And that's a constant focus. Mm, I'm intrigued what it'd be like to work at a company like Coursera, because Coursera, because um, as as a business, you're constantly learning, and it's all about people. Mm-hmm. Is, are your whole workforce dedicated to um, forever learning and developing? Uh, I would, I very much hope so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed. Uh, um, uh, no, absolutely. I mean, we we live and breathe what we take to marketplace, mm. and you know, Coursera is quite an amazing place to work in many ways because there's a whole uh, vision of the company is to effectively democratize education or access to all so anybody anywhere in the world can access content from the world's leading universities globally without having to pay anything just just free access to uh, to education and many many people who have had the opportunity to do so have been able to transform their lives because of it so there's a real societal good element of working for Coursera and that makes it a very fulfilling place to be because there's a real part of what we do that's actually making a positive impact on the world. It also attracts people into the business that are very um, strong believers of the value of education because of the nature of what we do. So there's a natural culture that comes with the people who want to work with Coursera that we all really, really passionately believe in the power and the value of education and the difference that it can make to the world. I think uh, there's plenty of people out there that would, that would argue actually if you can solve education globally for everybody you would probably solve a whole range of other problems that are correlated with it in some way and it would be a very very powerful influence for good so from my own perspective you know i will regularly take coursera courses um and often you know you you feel that perhaps you've been doing your role for a while you don't necessarily think there's perhaps much more that you need to learn in those space but as soon as you start accessing some of the amazing content that's out there you just start realizing how much you don't know, and how much has changed while you're just being very focused on what you've done for the last few years. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a very strong culture of everybody in the company constantly trying to invent, reinvent themselves, relearn, and then also take that knowledge out to our partners and to the way we do business um, in the marketplace as well. Mm, great. And then with these sort of um, universities and these skills, what do you feel like are the most sort of in-demands sort of skills and talents and sort of industries that people want to go into? Um, in terms of skills, I would say the really top domains for us are data science, computer science, and then sort of business and leadership. These mm-hmm. are the kind of the real big focus areas. Um, within that, obviously, there's a wide range of different courses and different sort of subdomains, but that's at a very broad level, that's the real focus areas. Um, you know, we have some very popular courses on the platform. Um, we have a course from one of our founders, AI for Everyone, um, which is incredibly popular in the business community because many people want to at least have a, just a basic understanding. What is digital? What is AI? What mm. is machine learning? What are these things actually about? Um, so at least everyone has a core understanding at a foundational level what these things mean so they can understand how it might apply in their world. Um, learning how to learn is another hugely popular course. It's mm. like, how do I actually figure out how to absorb information in this fast-changing world in, in a way that works for me? Um, and another one is around the science of well-being. Um, it's, a, I think, a constant challenge for people, how they 
um, manage the the world of work, the world of home life, the expectation to constantly reinvent yourself, the global economy you operate in, and then still stay healthy and fit and not lose your mind yeah. <laughs> and with all those challenges. So, um, but those are the, yeah, that's that's where we sort of see the real interest on the platform. Mm. And it's quite interesting talking about these um, skills and you said to sort of learn in the basics. And do you feel like that's the way the individual is going in terms of their knowledge? Do you feel like people have to have a certain level of expertise? Because I remember when I was at university, um, there were very much like the standard topics like media studies, mm-hmm. history, sort of English, law, journalism. And do you feel like um, this world is going into an age where you need to learn, you need to have a specific expertise to, to succeed? Or do you feel like it's important to still have that base level of knowledge? I think it is a combination of both. I, I think there's definitely roles where you have to have specialisms and a really in-depth knowledge. I mean, if you're going to be a data scientist, you can't just have a very basic understanding of what data means. You know, mm-hmm. you really have to have the depth of knowledge about how you take huge amounts of data and how you actually extrapolate meaning from that and actually present that back into something the business can tangibly use to improve itself. And that's that's a high level of capability, a high level of skill. Um, and it's not something you grow overnight. But equally, there are aspects of today's world that it's good for almost everybody to have some basic knowledge of. And if you look at things like, you know, what does digital really mean? Um, it's probably important for everybody to have some level of concept about what that is, how it applies in today's world, and why it's important. And it's probably true of AI and data generally and machine learning. I think in most companies now, there'll be a level of, we want at least our employees to have some kind of basic shared knowledge of what that means and what it means within our specific context. We also do quite a lot of work with government organizations um, who are looking to retrain citizens. Mm -hmm. And many of the government programs that we work with will have a very similar focus, which is how do we equip people to operate in a world that's becoming increasingly digital, increasingly agile, increasingly changeable, and trying to make sure that there isn't huge, wide-scale issues of unemployability because the roles that many people do today may not exist in 10 years, how do we make sure that we're helping people who are individuals, who are citizens, to re-equip themselves so we don't have a major societal problem around unemployment? Mm. Um, which is a very challenging ambition, but a very laudable one to actually aim for. Yeah. And um, yeah, I guess um, this this whole conversation of unemployability is quite interesting because when you think about um, automation, artificial intelligence, I, I don't think that the people in the prime of their careers are the ones that are going to suffer the most because they have this knowledge, they have this experience. But then mm-hmm. I'd say that maybe potentially uh, 16 to 20 year olds who are potentially um, looking for anything else um, they're not looking to go to university and maybe the base level jobs so like you go to Sainsbury's or you go to Tesco's and you have like 20 checkouts automated yeah. and you have five people yep. that, and that's slowly expanding um, yes. and people I, I mean I'm, I'm sure people are noticing it but um, you could see it's like the, the digital age is slowly seeping into these sort of yes. base level jobs where yeah. you you don't necessarily like need a degree to do it but then it is still good to have those sort of jobs there I guess yes I mean that I, I think there there's often a, a fear about AI taking all the jobs away. Yeah. And it's just going to slowly go up the tree of, of how complex those roles are. Um, and without doubt, there will be a whole range of jobs that will be either in, in eliminated, which will be a much smaller proportion, or at least parts of the roles will be taken away by AI or automation and so on. 
but it's also creating a whole range of new jobs that didn't exist before. And so it's it's more about shifting what people will be able to do in their working world than stopping people from working and taking away opportunity. But from um, a educational perspective, from a societal perspective, we do need to make sure that people coming into the world of work are equipped to take on these kind of roles that are probably very different from what their parents did, very different perhaps from even their expectations they were set in their school. Um, and, and making sure that they're not disadvantaged from taking on those roles because they haven't been given an educational option that actually allows them to become employable in the future. Mm, definitely, definitely. And then last sort of comments from me, um, looking at a company like Coursera, what's your like next few steps? Is it just about making your platform more instant and more accessible to everyone or making it easier to access these learning tools? Um, I... There's lots, lots of things we're trying to do as an organization, yeah. and we can spend a lot of time talking about that. Um, I think in relation to the subject matter and education, perhaps the most interesting is um, is around something we call Coursera for Campus, which was launched on the 3rd uh, of October. And this is very much an initiative where we're uh, helping universities bring other universities' expertise into their own environment. And so the idea behind Coursera for Campus is that as a university, your staff and your students can get access to world-class content from organizations around the world to help both the staff stay um, very relevant in terms of areas that are perhaps outside of their main area of teaching focus and keep abreast of new technologies, and for students to ensure that their employability uh, prospects are as enhanced as possible by ensuring that you're giving them the skills that the university perhaps isn't that that isn't their core area of focus, but making them as well-rounded as possible. And it's a much more, I think, open world that we're moving into, where education will be um, much more continual, much more at point of need. And we're seeing lots of universities going into offering online degrees, um, online access to their content in much shorter formats um, throughout people's working career, and really connecting with businesses in a way that um, they're making sure that their content is relevant to the business world as well as valuable from an educational perspective, that framework of how you operate and learn and take on knowledge and develop. Mm -hmm. And from Coursera's perspective, we try and play our part in linking those things together. We, our fundamental focus is how do you connect individual people who want to learn, businesses that need highly skilled people, our universities and industry partners that provide the content that helps bring those things together. And our focus is joining those um, three points in that triangle um, into a world that lives, really delivers value for all, all, the, all the personas within that framework. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a constantly evolving, very exciting place to be part of. And um, I suspect if we were to do this in 10 years' time, it would look incredibly different from what it does today. Maybe in 10 weeks' time. <laughs> it could well do. It could well do. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're creating such a like an awesome and inclusive and easy-to-access uh, platform, which is definitely going in the right direction, which is yes. what people are looking for. So it sounds yes. great. Yes. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was wonderful to have you. You're very welcome. Thank you for tuning into HLE Live. Make sure to tune in next week where we'll be talking to a new guest. See you then.